0: And Welcome to our very first full episode of the Choose Film Podcast. I'm Ashley and I'm (laughs) Gary and today we are joined by the lovely Rachel Flynn who has chosen our first film for our first features theme. So Rachel do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, um, thank you very much for having me on the, <laughs> the podcast. Um, I am
1: Rachel, obviously. I am a Scottish actor, writer, and producer. And uh, <laughs> I have my own um, company, which is a film and theater company that I run with my partner Reinger, um, which is called Enterebein Productions. And we produce our own work through that. Um, but I've also kind of worked as an actor, um, for um, theatre and film productions kind of, across the UK, and um, I'm just uh, I'm doing a playwriting and screenwriting course at St Andrews University at the moment, and working on my first professional play commission, which is exciting.
0: Very exciting! You have so many strings to your bow, Rachel. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's and a when... very busy violin. <laughs> 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 yeah, when we were first thinking of um, guests to have on this podcast, I was just like. I know, the perfect guest, Rachel does it all, Um, and I'm very excited to chat to you. So, do you want to tell us a little bit about why you chose this film? So, I have chosen uh, Lady
1: Bird for us to look at. Um, When you first brought up the the theme of the episode being firsts, um, I really wanted to spotlight a female person in film, and especially I thought a female director, because I think they're really um, underrepresented. So um, the first person that came to my mind was Greta Gerwig. Um, so Lady Bird is technically her directorial debut, because um, obviously she did, she co-directed the film first, but this is her first kind of solo venture, um, and it's a film that I absolutely adored when I first saw it. And, left me a weepy mess in the cinema. So um, yeah, I'd love to talk about it with you guys today.
0: Yes,
1: very excited.
2: Can I also just ask as well, how did you feel the first time you seen it compared to like your most recent viewing of it?
1: So I definitely, I watched it last night and I didn't cry. I got a little bit like lumpy in the throat, um, the old lumpy throat, <laughs> um, but not, I, yeah, I didn't weep in the same way. When I watched it in the cinema, I was a bawling mess. But I still feel like I connect with this film a lot. So it feels like perhaps quite a selfish choice because it's one that for me is
0: very emotive.
2: Yeah. And Ashley, what about what about you?
0: Um, so I this was the first time I'd watched this film and yeah. It hit me. That's all I'm gonna say just now.
2: <laughs> oh, that's that's cool. I the first time I seen it, I didn't really get it the first time. I went to the cinema to see it as well and I heard all these great reviews on it and then i watched it i enjoyed it and I, I think i just didn't get it though and then when i watched it this time i think i realized more that why i didn't get it and why i actually love it now is it is basically a year in the life of here's a year in this girl's life and enjoy it and then at the end we're just going to roll the credits and that's it and it actually my first uh, sidestep here mm-hmm. uh, it reminded me a lot of the wire of the tv show the wire and in that, you've got the police officers and you've got the drug dealers. But the drug dealers aren't the bad guys and the police aren't the good guys. They are shades of grey in both groups. Here is a day in Baltimore and this is what happens. And that was kind of the same with Ladybird for me was you were tossed in and then just left to watch it. Yeah,
0: and then- it's like a snapshot of a human experience, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So let's all... Uh, share what our rating was out of 10 for this film. Rachel, you can start us off. Um, well, I'm a very indecisive person so I'd like to use the fractions
1: and give it an 8.5.
0: Okay. Guys. Is that acceptable?
2: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah absolutely.
2: Yeah. yeah. I'll go with an
0: 8.3. Oh, we're getting very precise. I, <laughs> say, I didn't realise yeah. we could go so precise. Okay. <laughs> I've been a little bit more generous I gave it a 9 out of 10 Mm -hmm. (laughs) rounded it up yes so let's get started I hate California. I want to go to the East
2: Coast. I want to go where culture is, well, like New in the York. the world I raise such a... Or at least snow. Connecticut or New Hampshire, where, where writers did. live in the woods. Get ward. into those schools anyway. Mom! You should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs>
0: Lady Bird,
2: is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. Ladybird always says that she lives on the wrong side of the tracks, but I always thought that there was like a metaphor. But there are actual train tracks.
0: So these are going to be three positive points from each of us, we'll go around one after the other. And we don't know what each other's points are, so we might all have the same points. We might have very different points. Who knows? But Gary, do you want to start us off?
2: So, my first point is the meaning of the arm cast. Now, I've probably got it wrong though, but when the arm cast comes off, it's around about the halfway mark of the film. And I think it's like representing a new version of Ladybird. At the start, she's arguing with her mum in the car, and then she throws herself out, which is obviously a very funny scene. Like, and it's a scene that everyone remembers from the trailer. Um. Then she gets the cast, and I'm sure it says F you, Mum, on the cast. Um, So she's really not getting on with her mum. Yeah. And then she meets Danny, the theatre boy. She's kind of in love with Danny, and then she sees him kissing the guy in the cubicles, and it's like she's devastated. Then it's like the next scene, the cast comes off, representing the new beginnings, and then she's like really nice to her mum at Christmas. Her dad (laughs) gives her the financial aid application for college, it's kind of on the nose, but then it's New Year. It's mm-hmm. Christmas, then New Year. So, like, New Year, New hair, And I think this is what this whole part is representing.
0: I
1: genuinely... Yeah, yeah, go right. Can down. I just go on the back of that? Because, actually, I think there's a few of those kind of metaphors. I'm so mm-hmm. glad that you picked up on it. Like, at the very end, just before she goes off to uni, she, like, paints the wall, and that kind of metaphor as well, of, like, new beginning and fresh start. And I don't know if this is actually true or something that I just made up. I feel like her hair gets more, like pink as it goes on like it's just the tips at the beginning right and then by the end she's like got quite dark red hair
2: yeah i never actually noticed that but that that would make sense like this change in her is represented through color
0: yeah yeah definitely i didn't even catch it i didn't catch it i just thought that was time for her cast to come (laughs) off but now when you say it i'm like of course what do you think about ladybird as a name
1: Like, do you, what's, I never, I haven't quite got what the meaning behind that is, specifically, why
0: Lady Bird? I don't know. I, yeah, she embodies it and she loves it, but they don't, I don't think they actually address where, where it came from at all. It's quite open-ended, isn't it? Especially because obviously there's a lot of importance
1: placed on, I mean, my big point is about identity, um, but there's a lot of emphasis placed on you know her name, and, and not wanting to be associated with that God-given name, um. But I just I was like, but why, ladybird? You know why not butterfly? Or I mean, that would be awful. But Thanks. imagine rocking around calling yourself butterfly. <laughs> but.
2: yeah. Although that scene is great, where she's on stage and they ask her her name, and she's like, ladybird. Is that your giving name? Yes, I gave it to me, or something along yeah. those lines. It's just a fantastic scene.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Rachel, do you want to go onto your? first point then. I guess I'll just roll from then, Go from, like yeah. when I was kind of talking about
1: identity, like for me, so much of this film is, uh, who am I? But like at every stage of life, like, yes, it's a coming of age story, but it's also like, it's a becoming story that shows you that you never really become. Like every character is still trying to find their their way, um, and with new obstacles coming at them, like the dad who's now, you know, been made redundant and is now having to kind of almost start over again. And the kind of sad humility that he has in ageing. And it kind of shows that life isn't linear. Like you don't just come of age and then you're an adult and then life is good. Like there's always, it's, it's an unlinear path. And I think the whole, like the film is so much a love letter to Sacramento and it's so clear that there's so much of the writer in this film um because I think there's so much detail in the world of Sacramento and even like the quote right at the very beginning where um it says it's a quote about something about if you um think that California is all hedonistic you've never been to Sacramento and I think like that kind of small town vibe that you know that Lady Bird is just longing to get out of and then as soon as she does she realises everything that she had back home as well. And, and, you know, when she sits in the nun's office and she's like, well, your application is so um, tender towards Sacramento. And she's like, is it? I hate this place. But actually, she loves it. And it's this constant love-hate battle with where you come from and, and who you are. Um, so I think for that reason, it is one of the best
0: coming-of-age stories um, that I have experienced on film. Yeah absolutely and her identity and how she knows herself as well is just continually evolving and whatever situation she goes into I feel like I don't want to go on to my next point but she she stays true to herself but she's also very very open at taking on new things and seeing where new opportunities are going to take her which I really really loved as well.
2: Yeah and just on that point about all the other characters finding finding their feet to me, all but one character change in the film. The one I think doesn't uh is Kyle, the the rocker boy, Timothy. Yeah. Uh, that
1: uh-huh. character sucks, So um, That yes. character is the weakest point in the film for me. Yeah, he sucks.
2: They've all got these, like you said, that's a beautiful scene when the dad goes for the interview, comes out, and his son is there for the same job. It's like heartbreaking. Even like Danny's character finding his feet about not wanting to tell his parents that he's gay, there's that and all these characters change, even if it's just just subtly.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. It's and also with that character Kyle he is just horrible. And I think it Timothy Chamley had to like come out and say, like, I'm not actually like that character because everyone was just hating on him so much. Can we just talk about that character for just a sec, because
1: he for me like I, I disliked him in terms of like his his character, and like it's it's cool to have dislikeable characters, but there was something about him that just didn't. In terms of, I felt like he had all the weakest lines in the script and all that kind of stuff. That it's like trying to be kind of prophesizing, you know, like all the stuff about oh, soon everyone will have a mobile phone, and then you know everyone will be chipped, and all this kind of like self prophesizing stuff. Yeah, that was like. I feel like you're trying to be clever with this, but actually, one, like, that's so representative, I think, of the generation of kids we have now who are either, like, completely off social media, like, you know, don't want anything to do with it or completely hooked on their phone every two seconds. Um, Whereas I feel like when we were kids, because this gets kind of my generation, um, like, teens in the early 2000s, like, I don't know if that was if people were so against social media in that way as kids, because it was all so exciting to us.
2: I I totally agree with what you're saying, and it was very ironic, but maybe she just, Greta probably knew someone that way, and she's went, this guy was kind of so right, and he was a douchebag, and he was an idiot, and I'm going to write a character like that, and maybe that's why he seems like so weird compared to the rest of the characters, because she knew someone just as weird as that.
0: Yeah, I felt like... I felt like his character was putting on such a front but we didn't actually get to see what was behind that and it just didn't feel like closed off or well-rounded at all and it was just kind of kind of flat I don't know I couldn't get into his character but I didn't like his character and yeah I kind of I just didn't feel like he was
1: coming from a truthful place yeah
0: do you know what I mean like I didn't get his motivations really for for being the way he was
2: I wonder if there was a scene cut.
0: Yeah. Well, another thing is as well, he is um, seen, you know, at the parking lot and in the car with his friends. But they've kind of made the character so much so that he's so inside himself and like a lone wolf and he's got these weird opinions. But then he does have a lot of connections with the other people around him and they don't... See- how do you have anyone Yeah. Ah, yeah. uh-huh. exactly.
2: <laughs> but is that a case of People trying to hang about with the, the cool kid because he's so moody and because he's a complete contrast of Danny.
1: Yeah. He's also very hot. So there is that. People mm-hmm. always want to hang around with the hot people.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's true.
1: Speaking of scene cuts, right? You know, the bit that me, to me, that actually felt like the loosest thread was you know, the drama leader who was like crying in the group.
0: Yeah. Um, what happened to him? Well, yeah, because then he had he had the interview with her mum or the appointment with her mum that kind of hinted that he had depression um, or he was suffering from something like depression. But then we didn't we didn't find out anything more or how like they didn't explore anything that you know he said don't tell your daughter which obviously she wouldn't but then that was the end of that. Yeah, and
1: it felt like why, what that to me felt like, like something had been cut later on.
2: Yeah, I I really liked that scene where he actually was kind of breaking down. I thought it was there also to be interesting because the mum seems to be not able to help her own daughter, but can help this stranger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, we
1: didn't. But we didn't see him getting help.
2: Well, the fact that she's sitting having a conversation with with him, and she's not ever doing that properly with Ladybird, because when Ladybird speaks about something that's going on in her life, the mum criticises it. And then there's this other man, this stranger, and she's sitting listening to him. But yet, yeah. Ladybird can't get. Yeah, it.
1: that's interesting. That is interesting.
2: Yes, I had that interesting point. <laughs> Episode one, <I've> done it.
0: <laughs> Take it off. Yes, you can breathe it. <laughs> So I'm going to go on to my first point, um, which is kind of following on from you, Gary, actually. um, It's the family dynamic in this film. I adored it because that first scene where they're literally, the um, Lady Bird and her mum are sharing the most gorgeous moment, like both sobbing over like a John Steinbeck audiofic, and then it goes into the most heated argument ever. I was like, oh my God, there is just that line that got crossed so, so quickly and it just went in a whole different direction. And at first, you first think these are the closest like mother and daughter relationships that I've seen. And then they go into that argument, you think, okay, and then these arguments keep happening. And then you get the scenes where they're like having like deep chats in the toilets and then it just breaks out all of a sudden. But actually, they are so close, but there's so much that says otherwise when there's all these heated arguments, and I just really loved that how unpredictable it was because you didn't know what was going to happen next with that family, but it felt real as well. I'm not saying like my, my family are like that, but it just it felt natural although it didn't make sense at the same time.
2: But it also does make sense because you can and it could be friends or family where like. It happens in, in my family home all the time. I've got three brothers and we'd go over to my mum's house and then we'd just be talking away. And then before you know, someone says something and another person argues and then these two people are arguing and then a third jumps in, tell them to stop arguing and then that gets another argument. Before you know, you're in a room full of people shouting at each other and you're like, how did we get here? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's yeah, it's a great scene.
0: And then there's the, the brother's uh, girlfriend who lives with them as well that it's just a whole different ball game. And she's just kind of witnessing all this and seems a bit unfazed by it. Um, Yeah, which I really liked
2: as well. There's just that scene as well where, um, I think it's Danny comes over at Thanksgiving and they're all introducing themselves. And the, 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 the girlfriend up the back doesn't even get anything. She's just like, I can't remember her name.
0: Oh, I just can't remember it either. I want to say Shelley, but I don't know yes. what it is. I think you're right, it is Shelley.
2: But she's just like, yeah, I'm Shelley. Hello, over here. Uh-huh. And it's like she's so far removed, like you're saying, to the point where they don't introduce her. Yeah,
0: but they've obviously, like, welcomed her into their home <laughs> yeah. as well. It is totally, like, I, I love the naturalistic
1: style in this film. I think it's it, it gives it that authenticity and that truth for me. And, like, for me... I, I love the way that it creates moments of comedy as well like when they're in the dress shop and they're having this argument looking through the dresses and then they find the perfect dress and they're like oh yeah it's perfect love it love it and then it's like for that moment all of that tension is forgotten because they're concentrating on their objective that they came there for and and then the scene after that when her mum um, when Lady Bird is asleep she's been up all night sewing the dress to make sure that it fits her and like those little details and little moments of love, like, and I think the fact that the family is so dysfunctional and yet there is love for everyone. And I think, you know, you can tell in like Jenna's household, like she has a completely different familial situation where her parents don't care if she has big parties and drinks, like they seem really not present. And then, you know, um, what's what's the, the first boyfriend's name? Danny. You know, Danny obviously has really difficult relationship with his kind of Catholic family upbringing and but and although there is that kind of really difficult relationship between mother and daughter which I think is really beautifully portrayed they say quite a few times in the film it's because she loves me it's because she has such a big heart and she you can just tell like, the pain from the mum like she just wants Lady Bird to have everything that she didn't have especially that like, coming from her having an abusive alcoholic mother she is like she's trying to find her way and how to parent as well because she didn't have she doesn't have a role model to look up to in that way so it's just so yeah it's just such a truthful dynamic between Mm. the two and and i love as well that it's a kind of female mother-daughter relationship that's been spotlighted because i don't think you get that too often as well especially in this really authentic way where it's not kind of um stereotyped
0: Yeah, yeah. And I love how throughout the whole film, you know there's going to be arguments, you know there's going to be high points, but you don't know what's coming next. In the end, when she was driving away from the airport, I was like, she's not going back. And then she came back and I was like, her love for her daughter. I honestly, like, it melted my heart and I was just like, oh my god, these arguments are exactly like you said, Rachel. It's because she wants the best for her daughter and they seem petty arguments or they seem to really, really hate each other in the moment. And then there's this light that contrasts it and it's just beautiful. And she doesn't know how to show that love because she didn't have it growing up herself. Oh, and that's just so heartbreaking, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Um,
2: yeah, that's a good way into my number two because that is the relationship between Lady Bird and her mum. And I was watching this and people were saying that, oh, the mum is such a bitch and stuff. And I was like, I actually supported the mum up until she found out about the waiting list. And I didn't really support her after that because she literally was not even looking at her daughter. But her mum was saying things that were kind of snappy, but I think it was to get Lady Bird to understand. But rather than understand, Lady Bird would take it to heart. So... For instance, in that first scene in the car where she goes, Yeah, go to City College, then you can go to prison, then you can go back to college and it's digs at Ladybird, but it's digs to get her out of this this way of thinking. And she's a lot closer to her mum than she is her dad. That's what I would say. Like she's got a loving relationship with her dad, but it, everything is Ladybird and her mum. When you are closer to one person, you're gonna create that love hate relationship because you love them so much. Good or bad, she has more of a relationship with her mum. They argue, but then they have the nice talks. They, they've got their favourite Sunday activity of going to the large houses and pretending to buy them, even just clothes shopping. Basically, the mum is a realist and Lady is a bit of a dreamer and you kind of need that to balance out any working relationship.
1: I think as well, like, I'm kind of listening to this conversation, I'm now thinking, do you know, I wonder if, the mum is maybe not intentionally, but she's putting down Ladybird because she's scared of losing her, and she wants her oh. to narrow her sights so that she stays at home and she stays with her.
0: Yeah. yeah. She
1: doesn't want to lose her, you know. It's that fear of okay, well, if she goes, what do I do? It's like just remembering, like parents are not just parents; they're also people.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's a hundred percent right, and the mum just can't bring herself to say how much she loves Ladybird because Lady Bird also pisses her off as well, <laughs> you know? So it's like, I'm not going to tell you how much I love you when you're annoying me so much. And it, it, that's shown in, like, the writing of the letters, the yellow letters, mm-hmm. and she can't find the words to express what she's feeling. And it does show in the airport scene.
0: Yeah.
2: Where that camera is just mounted on the hood of the car and it just watches as the mum drives away. And her facial expression just changes and changes and changes and then she breaks down, mm-hmm. does the U-turn back to the airport, runs inside and obviously misses her. But the dad's words were she'll come back and it that's really interesting because that's what the mum did. The mum came back and then obviously then you get to Ladybird, who obviously isn't loving life as much as what she thought. So the two of them in a way will come back, you know, and it's just in those few lines that the dad says it. I'm ranting a lot here now, but just when we're talking about Sacramento as well, I think the place and the location is also a metaphor for the relationship between her and her mum. Like that love-hate relationship with the town is the exact same as Definitely. the mum. Mm-hmm. And I think it shows when Ladybird um makes that phone call at the end, rather than showing you the mum at first, it's showing you Sacramento.
1: Yeah, and then you have that beautiful thing where they um, match shot her in the car and her mum in the car and it kind of brings yeah. those two stories together. Like, you know, they're, they, they are family and, and they've had those same experiences and yeah. it brings them together in that way and I yeah. love that, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, can we just take a few moment to talk about how good uh, Laurie Metcalf is? I think I'm getting that name right. Mm-hmm. sure it's Laurie.
0: Unreal.
2: She is so good.
0: She just holds it,
1: like... I think what's so impressive about that performance is how much like her whole physicality, you know, she's got this tension in her body all the time and she's holding all of this emotion in that, she, you know, is stuck in her throat and she can't express and she's so dismissive of so many things. And like in the way that, you know, people could make really big deals of lines like, you know, the alcoholic parent or and um, when she says about, yeah, your dad's got depression. He has for years. It's not like your dad has depression, Shakespeare yeah. on lock. You know, it's really dismissive and, and really um, like, yeah, that, that's life, go on with it. Yeah. And I think that naturalism, and I think to be honest, what, what Greta Gerbic has done so well and, in this, and I think is a really, like, maybe not wouldn't have happened if she wasn't writer and director, is that I feel like she's given so much space within the dialogue for great actors to kind of do their own thing with it a bit like it feels like those don't they don't always feel like written conversations you know They've yes. as well because we jump into so often we jump into the middle of conversations it kind of feels like they were having a conversation before that maybe has been you know they've gone in the edit we're gonna take that bit or you know improv a bit on the top so so you get the feelings you're already in the scene and give that that naturalism and overlap on, on each other and you know keep it keep it natural keep it in the moment and I feel like that's what is really successful in the performances of this film is that yeah the relationships feel so authentic and the dialogue feels so naturalistic
0: yeah and I think it's also the mum's journey of you know It's her daughter's last year at school. She knows her daughter's going to go away one way or another, even if it is to a college in Sacramento. And she's dealing with having to have her whole life change as well. And it's not exactly on her terms. And I don't know about you guys, but I would happily watch like a sequel where it was just like the mum's story because I was in there for her. It was, yeah.
2: I feel the mum is the main character. but It's told through her daughter. Because the mum is going through so much. She is trying to keep a roof over their head. She's basically the only parent that's working. Uh, her husband's got depression. And she's also took in her son's girlfriend Yeah. as well. All the while, her daughter's kind of been like, oh, I want to go to this college. And it's really minimum stuff that Lady Bird is worrying about. It's big to the character of Ladybird, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel like it is the mum's story that we watch, and we watch it through the eyes of a daughter.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't think of it like that.
2: I could be wrong, <laughs>
0: but it's a nice insight. Yeah, and I guess,
1: I guess because you know Greta's most likely, you know, she is Ladybird, you know, this kind of small town girl that's gone on to the big city. Um, I think that naturally, like. That you'll you'll concentrate on the relationships that are most important to the writer, which is probably not the um, the central character if that makes sense. Like that's already that's written for you if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but I think the, the performances in general were all excellent huh. apart apart from I didn't like Kyle.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but his perfor- but his performance wasn't bad. The character was just a bit meh. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it, it, it did uh, very well. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh-huh, yeah. She I did. love,
1: um, uh, Beanie, Beanie Feldstein, is that her name? Yes. Beanie Feldstein. Yeah,
0: oh, oh, I love her. Um, I just think she's so cute. The best friend, um, yes. Julie. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 I've seen her in, um, in Booksmart as well. Have you? She's, she's this, pretty much the same character, but nobody does it like her yeah she's incredible she steals
2: every scene she's in totally Uh, and fun fact is she is actually jonah hill's sister
0: no way oh my god now you see it you
2: can actually see that
1: now.
0: yeah yeah oh that is a fun fact gary yes i love that um i i keep losing track of even whose point yeah i think
2: i think that was my Top Your... point, so I think Rachel.
0: We're on, Rachel. We're back to what you. I'm going to say, Another. Um, yeah, just kind of picking
1: up actually on what Gary said at the very beginning about it kind of being like a snapshot. Um, I really got like the observational element of this and that it felt really like the audience were just this fly on the wall. And I think cinemat- cinematographically, cin-
2: <laughs> cinematography.
1: Mm-hmm. In terms of the camera stuff, yeah. um, it was really unobtrusive. Um, but I think that was almost meant, it was about the director putting the camera there and then the performance is doing all the work, you know? Um, I think that's probably because Greta Gerwig's not really known for being a particularly visual director. You know, like she's obviously an actor first and foremost, and she's based really, kind of rooted very heavily in the writing and the performance. So I think perhaps that's why the cinematography wasn't particularly... um,
2: glamorous. For, yeah. Stylized and... Interesting,
1: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just kind of, it did the shots that it needed to do. Um, But I think that gave it a really kind of fly on the wall feel to it, which really suited the film.
2: One shot that stands out for me is when they're in the car at the start again, and the camera is looking through the front window, and you can actually see the dirt and the grime on the car, which is unflattering in itself, but that's deliberate, like, you know, it's it's an old running car, like, it's going to have dirt on the windscreen, so it wasn't as if they went, oh, we can't really see that actor because of the dirt, it's like, no, that's part of it.
1: Yeah. yeah Yeah, they needed that and I think I looked it up as well and it says that it was shot um with vintage lenses which obviously like makes um it brings kind of abnormalities and imperfections to the shots rather than this kind of crisp clear thing that we're really used to in this century um but I think that's all part of this the style of it it's not meant to be clean cut it's meant to have that kind of the car grind to it you know it's meant to have it's meant to be imperfect because the story is all about being imperfect
0: and you know finding who you are and all that kind of stuff absolutely um and that goes really nicely into to my next point which is how bold lady Bird is from the get-go like she's straight away to her mom, call me Ladybird, and she you know steals the magazine in the shop doesn't think anything of it as soon as she has her eyes on danny and sees him at the supermarket again she's like straight up there and just goes for it and it seems like you know all of her happiest moments, like truly happiest moments in the film, are when she is actually being herself and being bold and making those choices for herself without like, caring what the people around her are doing. And even her audition song, like everybody else's audition song. Everybody says so... don't,
1: everybody says don't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that song. Like, everybody like, else.
1: Stephen Sondheim
0: is clearly giving permission
1: for everyone to use his songs. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, we've got another Stephen Sondheim song. Right.
0: Yeah. yeah, I love that. I feel I felt like everyone else's auditions were so plain and she had made all those choices and it was like here is Lady Bird in what 15 seconds or something I don't know how long it was but I just I love it and I think it's such a good message to put out there to be telling people you know look at Lady Bird she is being bold she's being her unique self and it works out for her it's not this, oh, someone's being bold and, you know, they get bullied and it didn't work and then they become someone else. Do you know what I mean? They're really getting into that authenticity and honouring it. And I thought that was just beautiful and it was a really nice message to put out there.
1: Actually, in this film, like, there's not really that kind of question that you find a lot in dramas about oh you're a woman you can't do that you know yeah. when you've got this story of a, of a girl who's wanting more you know like there, there was never a question to do with her gender you
2: mm-hmm. know
1: which I thought was actually nice I've never thought about that until now you've just said that but yeah it's a really empowering statement for young women I think.
0: Yeah definitely she just goes after what she wants and yes yeah, she comes across obstacles but as long as she's staying true to herself she gets through them and it works out for her, which I liked, yeah.
2: My next point is about she goes after what she wants, but I don't know if there's a message in that, that going after what you want without thinking about it can backfire, mm. right? Because our whole want, our whole main want in the film is to go to this college that the parents Well, it's up. to
1: get out of Sacramento, isn't it? Yeah. It's less but, about the actual college, because we don't even really know what she's studying, do we? It's, it's less about that, yeah. isn't it? It's more about getting away.
2: Then she's got other wants throughout the film as well, but they all kind of fall apart. And I was like, is this a message to show that this big, huge want that she wants is going to fall apart when she gets it? So one of the first wants is Danny, but then he turns out to be gay. If she thought about it more and maybe tried to get to know him, maybe she could have worked that out. And then she moves to the rocker boy who we all love, Kyle, (laughs) you know, and he turns out to be a dick. She wants to hang about with the cool girl so much that she lies about her house. She stops seeing her actual best friend. These lies in that make her look like a weaker person. And then obviously eventually the point that I'm getting at is that she gets to college and then once again realizes everything she had back home was already worth it. So that I think these are interesting that she rushes into these. Obviously, she didn't rush into the college one, but she didn't really consider Anything else, you know, she was like, Nope, this is what I want, this is what I want, and then when she got it, she was like, Ah, that was quite nice back home.
0: Yeah, I think as well, like, all these little things are kind of distracting her from who she really is because um, things didn't work out with Danny, and then obviously Kyle was just a dick, and that wasn't her path, but when she is, you know, when she is with Julie, it's just joyful and you can see it in her and yeah like you said all these things are showing her oh this is not working because you have rushed into it but i feel like the things she really takes her time on are moving her forward and she yeah she does move forward which is just lovely um and i like that it does end fairly positively i would
2: say all i was gonna say is like about want to escape Sacramento I think it is more than that though because she could escape and go to a shitty college somewhere else she could go to another rubbish college elsewhere and save her mum and dad a fortune if it was just about that
1: but she wants to go to New York right it's that kind of hell-bent dream that she's got of the big city Mm -hmm. and and kind of and this uh, wistful idea of being an artist and I wonder about your point about backfiring I think in my perspective, it's less about these things backfiring and more about her learning lessons from them because she's not dissuaded. It's not like after the first boyfriend turns out to be gay, she's like, I'm off men forever, they're arseholes. Like, she dives straight into the next one and then he's a dick and, you know, she loses her virginity maybe not in the best way or the way she wanted, but when she's talking to her pal about it, she was like, do you know what? It was fine, like, I'm, I'm okay
0: she's not
1: she's she's not kind of destroyed by all and then she's you know off chatting up the next guy at university like it doesn't hinder her or take away from who she is too much i think she learns kind of she, she takes experience for what it is and then moves forward i think she will stay at university and she'll be fine and i just think that she had that experience as I I think is really common for you know young people going to university having especially having this really kind of repressed upbringing that she had at the Catholic school that now there's like booze everywhere and you know she overdoes it but again I feel like she learns a lesson from that and I feel like she probably won't do that again and she goes into the church and she kind of has this moment of of, yeah, like everything is beautiful back home, but she never kind of says, I'm coming home, this is it, I'm, I'm packing my suitcase, you know. She's saying, I'm here now, but thank you for everything that you gave me, because it's made me who I am today and where I am today. But I don't think she's, like, she obviously has so much shame attached, you No, know, the wrong side of the tracks thing, the fact that she lied about where she lived. Um, she has so much shame I think attached to where she comes from and who she, versus who she wants to be you know she has this big dream of of who she wants to be but I think that was that shame creeping back in again and I think it was again like this idea that she's never she's like just because she's got to university doesn't mean she's cured do you know what I mean doesn't mean that she doesn't still harbor a bit of that and even though you know she's trying and I think it's this idea of yeah she's she's trying to become who she who she wants to be who she's meant to be, but there's always gonna be a, a those inner conflicts,
0: yeah I feel like as well um falling on from that she does that shame does definitely creep in, but I feel like as well she's a wee bit over it too she just kind of she is like taking that next step, but like you said, these thoughts are still creeping in a little bit, but she's just a bit like. Know it feels like she's like it doesn't matter where I'm from, like it's who I am, yeah. Um, Um, my final point
1: is just kind of about the nostalgia of it, I guess. And like, um, you know, obviously, in in the way it's shot in the production design, it's very of the early 2000s and it's very kind of rooted in that sacramental place, um. And, but I think, you know, even the music that's used, although sometimes it was a bit like, ah, it's just quite off-putting, but like having like the Alliance More set and that kind of being like the song of the moment and all that kind of stuff, it did make me think, I don't know if we get those kind of experiences anymore. Like this film would not have worked if everyone had been going to their mobile phones. You don't mm-hmm. get the same kind of, self-discovery that we got when we were kids when i mean you know life so us because we still had kind of maybe a bit of like msa messenger after school or that kind of stuff like um but i think there's a totally different um way that you need to present yourself now because you're not just like like for us it was like okay we care about what our schoolmates think those 40 people that are in our peerage but now it's like kids have to care what their thousands of followers think about them and it's so much more pressure and I think it's so it's it's it just made me really think like oh it just made me really nostalgic for a time a simpler time
0: absolutely and it it just sort of like you said it allows for that self-discovery and these experiences that seem so intimate when we're seeing them on camera and nowadays you know there'd be a hundred selfies and someone video on it or whatever but it does keep the intimacy and it feels really special whereas if at all the parties they were all taking selfies I felt like I would have just been like again okay just blow it off like it's not important but every moment seemed important to those characters and it was it was for themselves not for the outside world like you said
2: yeah, I've, I've nothing else to add to that, actually. I think I've hit the nail on the head with it. Almost no matter where you're from, because everybody is tuned in, like people take photos before they go to the party and then sit at the party looking at how many likes they got, what can be posted to social media the next day or that night or whatever else.
0: Gary, do you have any other points?
2: Um, I really liked the the line from the the nun was it in it
0: I wrote her name down somewhere
2: when she uh, they're all sister Sarah Joan yeah and they're dancing at the I don't know what it was they're dancing in the hall (laughs) six inches yeah uh, six inches for the Holy Spirit I just thought that was hilarious I
1: love that well I thought all the theatre stuff was magic like as a theatre kid I was just howling at like even the choreography, like when they, when they do the merrily we roll along at the end and like bah, bah, like and they do all yeah. that, and they're all like wearing different colored tops and their and their are, there are vocal warm ups in the dressing room and stuff, it just all made me howl. Yeah. And like
0: absolutely. they did the clapping
1: game, you know, where you like clamp and stomp instead of saying one and three. Yeah. It just it really entertained me in a big way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um and my last point was, Rachel, you touched on it earlier but that um, the way that she writes on the walls, she writes the boy's name's Danny, and then once uh, she's found out Danny's gay and she feels so betrayed and hurt or whatever, that name's scored out. Then Kyle's written on. And then when she's going to college, it's all painted over and it's like, okay, I feel like she feels like she's an adult now. She's too grown for that. But it still brings in, like, for me, that felt like, okay we're still watching someone who has so much growing up to do but she feels ready for it now and yeah it kind of brought back because I feel like at some points at the film she could have been in her 20s but this brought back that she is actually still a child and she is still learning and is still exploring different things and maybe doesn't always know what she wants but she's okay with that and she's okay with her growth so yeah that was my sort of final point yeah, totally. I love all those like
1: tropes of it. Like, it feels like those are the really like teen movie tropes, you know, like coming yeah. of age, where they like write the the, the boyfriend's, like the crush's name and the diary with like loads of love hearts around it. That felt like that representation of that, which I really loved. And it wasn't even like, you know, like she scrubbed it out, it was just like line through. <laughs>
0: like, yeah. Uh-huh next one beside it yeah uh it wasn't even like a new place it was just like right beside it yeah uh i feel like she wanted she wanted to see that journey for herself and she was okay if anyone else saw it as well um yeah so has anyone got i mean other than the character of kyle who we all know we we all hated any other things about the film that we didn't like kind of nitpicks i feel
1: like i kind of spoke about it a bit earlier but just maybe the music to me was a bit I wasn't quite sure why they chose certain songs. It was probably obviously because they meant something to the writer-director. But it felt quite, maybe it felt quite personal instead of like actually um, doing something for the story or yeah. like furthering. Yeah, and, it, and they were really quite, like the songs were always talked about when they were happening quite a lot as well. And um, it made them quite, I guess it was one of those things. I think there was maybe quite a few like, in jokes that she kind of had with herself or like in, in like moments that were like oh well, this is something that I really want in it because it was something that I experienced or it was important to me or whatever but for me didn't really do do anything or translate
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I think my only nitpick was I didn't really like that we had this sort of storyline of Lady Bird decides to get with the popular friends and then she doesn't like her best friend I felt like that was a little bit too typical and i just thought oh this film is is doing so much better than this and i don't know if it if it really needed that but i know like the moments that it brought in after were lovely but i just felt it was a little bit too typical at that point but that was the o- literally the only thing and that was me trying to find something that was like a nitpick
2: <laughs> yeah and um, i don't really have any other notes or nitpicks the only thing that i learned this week was that the director was supposed to star in a spin-off of How I Met Your Mother called How I Met Your Father or How I Met Your Dad and they shot the pilot and it didn't do well at all. That this is all rumors and stuff like that. Yeah. So I don't don't quote me on it. But um suppose she took a break and then during that break kind of started on this project. So in a way it's a blessing in disguise because this I just know right away would be so much better than whatever How I Met Your Father or Dad would have been. Yeah, I think it's a
1: blessing in disguise for those both of those reasons. The fact that we have this film and the fact that
0: we never need to watch How I Met Your Father.
2: Yes, exactly.
0: Absolutely. So, let's just check, has anyone's final rating out of 10 changed? Because I started at a 9, Gary you were 8.3, Rachel you were 8.5, what are you thinking?
2: I'll go up to an 8.5 for the simple reason I spoke about it, a lot more than what I expected, and it's all good points. So for that, yeah, I'll go I'll go up
0: yeah. point 0.2. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick with my box. Thank you, dealer. Yeah, I'm sticking with mine too. Still a 9 out of 10 for me. Lovely film. Yay! Yes. Okay, so we'll take a wee break just now. What do you want from me?
2: Yes? My my grandma wanted me to tell you that she missed you at Christmas. Yeah, well, I couldn't have gone anyway. My mom was pissed about Thanksgiving.
1: Your mom is crazy. I'm scared of her. She's
2: not crazy. She just, you know, she she has a big heart. She's very warm. I don't find your mother warm. You don't? No, well, no. She's warm, yeah, but she's also kind of scary. Well, you can't be scary and warm. I think you can. Your mom is.
0: You're gay. Okay, so we thought a fun way to round off our chat about Ladybird and each film we're going to talk about on the podcast would be to give our guest hosts a quick-fire question round. Now, Gary and I have got five questions each. We're going to go one after the other, really, really quick-fire. These are no judgment on the guest host's knowledge because they are obviously going to just be really quick-fire questions and it's just all a bit of fun. You've got this. You say fun, I say stress. You've got this, I believe in you. Right. Oh my god. Okay. Okay. Three, two, one, go.
2: Who plays Ladybird's mum? Maury
0: Metcalf. What colour is Ladybird's cast? Pink.
2: My question too was what colour is Ladybird's arm cast? So (laughs) I'll just go straight to my number three. (laughs) Okay.
0: What part does Ladybird get cast as? In The Tempest. Uh, the Tempest. Yes!
2: <laughs> uh, so this one's a wee bit different. Saoirse Ronan grew up in Dublin, but what city was she born in? Uh,
1: it's somewhere in America, isn't it? Um,
0: uh, oh, I don't
2: know. New
0: York? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Is <laughs> Yes. <it? laughs> uh, my third question. What grade does Lady Bird convince her teacher to give her after she's binned the papers? B. E.
2: When Ladybird asks her father, are you and mum going to get a divorce over this? What does her dad respond with? No. <laughs> and?
1: Um, The... I don't, it
0: would take a lot more than that or something.
2: Uh, it says, no, we can't afford to.
0: We can't afford to, <laughs> yeah. Okay, my my second to last question. How many Academy Awards was the film nominated for? cat Acad- Oh, uh...
1: Two? No, two Oscars. Was it nominated for two Oscars? Oh, oh, I don't know. Five. Five. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and last one for me. When was it released in the UK? Twenty
0: seventeen.
2: Twenty eighteen.
0: Twenty eighteen. Oh. Ah! And last Wait. but not least, what does the sign say that Ladybird sticks, s- sticks to Sister Sarah Jones' car? Uh, just married to Jesus. Yes. It's- Rachel, you did really well. At yeah, that. very well. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm top of the leaderboard anyway because this is like one of the first podcasts. You're the one to beat. Yep. You're the one to beat. Um, Bring it on. So, um, we're going to take a little uh, turn away from Ladybird and we're all going to say a little fun fact of the day. So, my fun fact of the day. Is if you had a glass ball and a rubber ball that were the same size, like a rubber bouncy ball and a glass ball, the glass ball would actually bounce higher. I don't know how, I don't know why, I don't know the science behind it, but it's true. Fun fact. I'm sorry, veto that fact. Nobody needs to know fact, that. that.
1: <laughs> the glass <laughs> ball would just smash, surely. Do you get glass balls or glass balls? With do you buy glass balls?
0: A marble. Marbles, marble. You don't. marbles, do you? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just, ha- if if you did, if you wanted if to, you if did. you're into that, okay. use a glass ball instead of a mattress. I mean, you should have really brought the balls along so that we could see this. I mean, obviously, people listening would not be able to see, but I would. It's a new skill I could put on my CV. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I also wonder, like, who tried it?
1: Right? who is has that like, kind of time i mean if you
0: know lockdown it's a, it's a boring time people do some crazy stuff i feel yeah. like we're getting so deep into that fact yeah i know
2: so my fact of the day oh and we should probably say to the listeners that we agreed it shouldn't be film related yeah to oh guess. no mine
0: is that's oh. fine we never told you rachel we never told you damn <sighs> it
2: we need to get better guests. I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: Sack the guests. <laughs> get her off.
2: Um, so my weird fact of the day is the total weight of all the ants on Earth is greater than the weight of all the humans on Earth.
0: That really makes my skin crawl. we
1: creepy. Mm-hmm. Also, really note. the film Ants, right? Amazing oh, film. Yeah. yeah.
2: And yeah. also, how weird is it? In like, the space of a year, we got to animated ant films like Ants and The Bugs Life.
1: Yeah. Were they in the same year?
2: Like it was less than a year anyway.
1: Both absolute oh. belters Great films. Rachel hit us with your fun fact. Okay, so mine technically is film related, but That's fine. Anyway, so um was the voz, Judy Garland, right? So on the day that Judy Garland died, on the twenty second of June nineteen sixty nine, um, there was a tornado in Kansas.
0: Oh. That, that is How
1: cool was that?
0: Crazy. Bad, but cool. I love stuff like that, honestly. That's
2: yes. a sign. Yeah. That I is. mean, there's
1: probably quite a lot of tornadoes in Kansas, but still.
2: I'm going to count that as a weather fact and not a film fact.
0: Yeah.
1: Very good, very
0: good. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Lovely. So, to just round off the show, we are all going to name a short film that we've watched because... What's not to love about short films? I could honestly spend all day watching short film after short film after short film. So, Gary, do you want to start off?
2: Yeah, we decided to do this because with everything that's happening in the world just now, it's great to support the arts. And so mine is a film called Cautionary Tales. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a British, and it's a heartwarming film about disfigurement and finding love. And it's just a great wee emotional piece. I won't say too much more on that, but you can watch it on YouTube. Just type cautionary tales short film. It's well worth the watch.
0: Nice. Rachel, do you want to give us a short film? Well, if I can promote my own short film,
1: definitely. <laughs> um, <laughs> um support the arts. Um, we have, within Terribank Productions, we have a series of six short films that we created over lockdown or um, with lockdown conditions. Um, I've written two of them. The first episode, which is called Permanent Scar, which is about um, a guy, it's kind of like boy meets girl, but with a kind of twist at the end. Um, and it's played uh, amazingly by Cameron Fulton. And I also Appear in it as um, the uh, the girl, um, and I wrote another one called No Hero, which is performed in BSL and is to do with um, the NHS workers uh, over lockdown. Um, so yeah, if you want to watch those on the InteraBank Facebook page uh, under the Scene to Scene playlist. So just type in InteraBank Productions into Facebook, and you will find it.
0: Yes, and I can definitely recommend. I have loved all of the work that Rachel's put out over lockdown. It's been Incredible. Um, so my short film is uh, a short film that I've watched quite a few times because I just love it, and it's called Boy's Night, directed and written by James Price. What a short film this is. Um, yeah, incredible, incredible director. Um, it's basically about a little boy who has taken his drunken dad home after they've had like an argument in the car with his mum, and it's just their journey together, and it's a really... Really, like, it hits you, that film. It hits you. And I would recommend it to everyone because it's just so, so well done. The performances in that film, in such a short space of time, you get so much from those characters. And yeah, I definitely recommend. And you can watch that on Vimeo.
2: The production value as well is just oh, so good. Even in, yeah. the, even in the trailer alone, like mm-hmm. the trailer is so energetic and like fast-paced and stuff. Yeah, here.
1: yeah. Really yeah, a short film. love james's work i yeah. work with james on um a short film called spiral which is also available i think to watch online which is like um groundhog day meets taxi driver is the guide they're going for
0: um, and little kyle who was a boys night was in that as well um so rachel i would like to thank you so much for coming on our podcast at such um an early stage um in our podcast as well so we really really appreciate it and can you just let our listeners know where they can find you on social media websites for bank and for yourself yeah
1: um thank you so much for having me it's been so nice to chat about films and um i'm so glad that you guys are doing this podcast um if you want to follow me on social media um you can get me on twitter at uh, Rachel Flynn 7 or on instagram at rflyn 7 and uh, please follow interabine productions because we've got some cool work coming up uh, this year and some short films as well that we've got in pre-production for next year and um, so you can follow interabine productions at we are Interibang.
0: nice yeah.
2: again yes. we can try and find out put a link in the show notes when we work out how to do that
0: yes we will definitely put a link in the show notes um to rachel's work thanks guys um, you're so welcome. Your work deserves to be promoted. People need to see it. Um, I'm Ashley Sutherland, and you can find me at ash sutherland four on Twitter or at Ashley Sutherland on Instagram. And if you're wanting anything that's more positive vibes stuff, at high vibe underscore high life on Instagram as well. That's a new little venture of mine. And Gary.
2: And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Hewitt G Pro.
0: For anyone who wants to get in touch with their views on the film or anything else about the podcast, you can email us at choosefilmpodcast at com. Amazing. So you've been listening to The Choose Film, a real retrospective podcast. And next time we have another guest, another film to dive deep into. Our guest host will be Paul Mackey and he has chosen the film Pushing Hands, directed by Ang Lee, so if you want to watch that one in preparation, go for it thank you so much Rachel you've been amazing thank you. and we'll see you guys later
2: thanks you to me? Mm-hmm. this conversation can serve no purpose anymore
0: goodbye